Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. You just bought a home in the suburbs, but no one told you about all the birds, specifically this one, who seems to be calling out Roy. Roy. But who exactly is Roy? And why doesn't he ever respond? Maybe Roy is just bird speak for save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto. I guess until Roy answers, we'll never know. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. And welcome to No Filler, the music podcast dedicated to sharing the often overlooked hidden gems that fill the space between the singles on our favorite records. My name is Quentin. I've got my brother Travis with me today, and we're bringing another episode from The Vault. We're going to jump back and we're going to share our episode on A Tribe Called Quest's album from 91, the low end theory. We thought this would be an awesome way to kick off Black History Month. Um, dude, I think to this day, this episode is probably our our best one. Really? Yeah, I I agree with you, man. I went back and listened to it recently, and um, we were super stoked at the thought of like, hey, this is our first episode on rap. And to this, it's our only episode on rap to this to this day, right? And so, like, we really brought like our our energy into the research and stuff, and into the um, sort of digging into sort of the history of the the movement that the tribe was part of, you know, and just the 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 scene and the environment and like the circumstances around rap music and stuff like that at that time. The the golden age of hip hop, yeah, it was when they 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 realized that that this music was really starting to reach uh, like the global stage. And so that kind of changed the way that they approached their songwriting and kind of the message that they wanted to share in, in their music. Um, so yeah, we dive into all that. We go pretty deep into it. And we have a ton of great clips, um, mainly that we pulled from um, this documentary series on Netflix that you can watch called... Um, Hip hop evolution. Um, that was kind of one of our main sources uh, for this episode, but um, yeah, this was a, this was a lot of fun, and um, and this is an instance where, like, you know, and, and I feel like this might happen a lot, depending on how you find No Filler. If you find us through the Pantheon Network, you don't have access to these episodes. If you're if you're only looking for us within that network. I think we we get picked up by them around uh, twenty maybe twenty nineteen. So this was this this episode is not going to be in your feed unless you subscribe to us separately from Pantheon. So there's tons of episodes that a lot of people just may have never even known were there. You know, that's right. And that's you know that's one of the one of the reasons I uh, you know don't feel don't feel terrible about uh, continuing to recycle episodes. You know, because part of me is like, hey, are we shortchanging our audience here by not giving them new content? But no, you're right, Q. For most of our listeners, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these episodes haven't even shown up in their feeds. Like you said, you, you couldn't even find this if you tried, if you if you subscribed to us through Pantheon. So, right. Uh, anyway, 
Yeah, so that's it. I'm just going to fade it in uh, right into our conversation when we right when we kick things off. Uh, and yeah, we thought what better way to celebrate Black History Month than uh, to just share music that we love from Black artists. And we're gonna we're again we're kicking it off with a tribe called Quest. What an awesome album! Really great episode. I'm excited to play it for you. All right, so um, we hope you enjoy this episode. If you want to see more of our episodes and, you know, in the same vein, if you want to go back and look at episodes from the past, our website is a perfect place to do that. Go to nofillerpodcast.com. You can see all of our episodes going all the way back to episode one, including show notes for each one, which has track lists and any sources that we may have referenced or cited uh, so if we if we talk about a YouTube video or something like that, you know, we'll throw a link to the YouTube video on the show notes page. Um, and you can follow us on Twitter, No Filler Podcast, at No Filler Podcast. Uh, give us a shout out. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. Tell us artists that uh, you'd like us to talk about. Tell us genres that you'd like us to talk about. Um, anything you want to just, just just talk to us, please. <laughs> Uh, anyway, yeah, we we want we want to have a, a an open dialogue with our listeners because um, we found in the past that that when when listeners do reach out to us, there's always great content that comes out of it. You know what I mean? Always. Oh yeah. And that's what this uh, this show is about. It's about um, sharing music with each other, sharing music with our listeners, and having our listeners share music with us. That is why we started this podcast. That's right. So the, yeah, the best place for you to do that is is the um, is the Twitter the Twitter verse, or you can you know if you want to get really crazy and send us a, a nice long message, you can do that on our contact page um, at the website that I mentioned earlier. But anyway, um, you can also find us on the Pantheon Podcast Network, pantheonpodcast.com, where you can find plenty of other great music content. And we'd also like to thank. Pantheon sponsor AKG for supporting this show. And that's that. So without uh without further ado, here is our episode on a tribe called Quest and their 1991 record The Low End Theory. By the time the Low End Theory came around, samplers couldn't hold all the samples that were the composite that made the song. So a lot of that stuff, the guys actually conceptualized in their head without actually ever having heard it put together, which is really, really phenomenal. They deconstruct things in their mind and then reimagined and recombined in a way that never could have or would have been played by live musicians. And welcome to No Filler. The music podcast dedicated to sharing the often overlooked hidden gems that fill the space between the singles on our favorite records. In each episode, we'll dive into a little history of the artist and the album of choice, with snippets from interviews and concerts, as well as music from the album itself. My name is Quentin. With me, as always, is my brother Travis, and... We're covering a tribe called Quest today. I'm fucking stoked, dude. Yeah, I don't think I've been more excited about an episode uh, maybe ever. I mean, really. Yeah. Seriously, because this is our first time to talk about rap and hip-hop. 
a, a genre that really I my my exposure to it is so limited that like now that I'm sort of you know getting into it a little bit like I'm realizing how fascinating the history of rap is like, like the history of hip hop and just how amazing and incredible these pioneers of, of, of rap music were, you know? Yeah, dude. It's just amazing. I'm, I'm with you, man. I mean, you're, you know, we can never be too late to the party, you know? Yeah. I was 29 maybe when I got into hip hop. Like when I say hip hop, I'm talking about like diving into old school hip hop, you know, yeah. like, like checking out the origins of it. Cause I mean, so for us, the music that we grew up listening to, the hip hop that I knew was what was on the radio. So we were familiar with Eminem, um, early two thousands Busta Rhymes. I, I mean, here here's the thing. So like, I was actually thinking about this. Like, what I was trying to figure out what what our first exposure to rap was, and I think it must have been that song that we had on cassette tape. Um, oh, whoop! Dude. There it is. Yeah, that's our first exposure, man. And that was that was early hip hop. That was early. Who, who was that? I think Spencer. Had, well, who who was the artist? Yeah, I have no idea. Let's let's look it up right now, dude. Tat, I, you it, know dude, it, you're gonna remember the name because they say it in the song. The artist was called Tag Team. Remember they say Tag Team back again? Yep, came out in '93. But the reason I'm curious is because, I mean, other than that. We were brought up on rock and roll, uh, classical music, just, you know, yeah. just by hearing it. And then like movie soundtracks. Those are the kind of things that, that our father would listen to. And that's, that's the music that we were brought up on. So that's why my guess is that by the time we became like of age, when we were paying attention to music and stuff, like you were saying, uh, hip hop had changed and rap had changed. Uh, quite a bit like the landscape and the things that they were singing about and rapping about had changed from from the significantly 90s. they were talking you know about it was more like the club type stuff you know like uh it's it's getting hot in here take off all your clothes and all that kind of crap which but dude i i am getting a little bit too hot i think i am going to take my clothes off what are you talking about what dude <laughs> are you saying it's hot just... in your in your in your studio Oh my God, bro. I was just quoting the rest of the song. You said it's getting hot in here. I'm going to take. Oh, that's right. I forgot that she said that afterwards. My bad. God damn. I mean, I knew you were making a joke. It just obviously wasn't very funny. (laughs) But like, I, I guess my point is like, there was nothing lyrically that I could connect to. Yeah. Being from the lower middle class upbringing that we had, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I th- maybe that's why we were never interested in it. And, and we didn't have anybody to introduce us to this older stuff, this the more classical hip hop and rap music, you know, we just didn't yeah. have it. So that's the excuse I'm giving myself at least. And we were just too, too interested and too infatuated and in love with rock and roll, which is fine. But I'm, I'm, I'm happy that, that I'm finally circling back around and, and giving rap and hip hop like the attention that, that it deserves, you know? Yeah. And like you said, it's never too late. Um, so tribe called quest. I'll name off the roster real quick and then we'll get into it. So tribe called quest consists of MC's Q tip. He was also like the main producer. 
We've got Fife Dog, and then originally we had Jerobi White, who shows up on their first album. Um, and then alongside those three, you had uh, DJ and co-producer Ali Shahid Muhammad. Um, that's a tribe called Quest. So for this episode, I kind of want to just dive into that era of hip-hop around the time that they burst into the scene, maybe a few years before that. Um, you know, and then we'll, we'll build from there. So their first album was called People's Instinctive Travels and the Paths of Rhythm. came out in 1990. So this is right smack dab in the middle of the, quote, golden age of hip-hop. Characterized by its diversity, innovation, and influence on the genre as a whole after its emergence and establishment in the previous decade. I'm, I'm reading straight from Wikipedia. So, the Golden Age was around the mid to late 80s and the early 90s. So, the previous decade being the 70s, that's when hip-hop emerged on the scene. Um, what makes hip-hop different in the mid to late 80s, uh, it became a lot more experimental and a lot more artists were sampling from old records um, and sampling in general. That's when it started to get heavily used, you know, um, which is cool. You know, a lot of artists who, you know, thought, hey, I, I can get into hip hop, you know, I can do this. They weren't necessarily um, formally trained musically uh, or they didn't have the means to be trained musically um, or to, to, to play an instrument. But if they had a good ear for sound, you know, they could just sample music from the records that, that their parents had. Well, that's you know? the thing. They go from there. So that's what I like about the history of these pioneers is just how, you know, what it seems like with rap and hip hop, the barrier to entry is so low because literally all you need is your voice, you know, as yeah. far as like how you, you get your name out there and how you potentially get started there's this quote from uh, and i don't know if have we mentioned that that uh series on netflix no yeah but let's go ahead and do that dude so there's this series out on netflix called the hip-hop evolution is that right yeah hip-hop evolution yeah so so you know i'm, I'm learning a lot about the history of hip-hop and rap through this series there's this quote from this guy his name is lawrence chris parker he went by KRS-One, and he was part of the Boogie Down Productions. Yeah, and we're gonna we're gonna talk a lot about them, dude. So, K, you know what KRS-One stands for? I do, but not off the top of my head. Knowledge reigns supreme over nearly everyone. Well, there you go. So Damn. you gotta have that. You gotta have that attitude when you go into this. Kind of stuff. <laughs> but anyway, so he had a quote that I really latched onto. He talked about and sort of an anecdote that he shared. He said. You know, to survive in the hood, the average person on the street had a rhyme because you're, you know, like your credibility and your reputation was tied to it. If somebody walked up to you on the street and said, you know, spit a rhyme at me and you didn't have anything like your reputation is done, you know, like, yeah, it seems like you're like, I think it seems like everybody knew it too, like in the hoods, like this is your chance to get out of the hood is like, you know, through rapping through entertaining and he, he even talked about how like you know he, he got some attention from like a social services worker because he was homeless 
And, you know, the, the, the worker asked him like, Hey, what do you want to, what do you want to do? Who are you? Like, what do you want to be? And he said he wants to be an MC and whatnot. And he like, you know, gave him like a, a line, like, you know, and then the guy yeah. said, Hey, I'm, I'm uh what's the guy's name? The rock guy. Dwayne Johnson. No, motherfucker. No, <laughs> <laughs> not Dwayne the rock. The, the guy that he was partners with. Yeah. Scott, uh, Scott, Scott LaRock. LaRock. So yeah. Scott LaRock, that was his social worker. And he, he took him to the club that night. Cause he said, Hey, I'm a rapper whatever so anyway they're there and you know they're kind of like competing with these other guys or whatever you know how they did these rap battles right yeah so anyway he basically said to these guys like he, he put it this way like that his his bread was on the line as in like he said y'all look like y'all ate today y'all look like you had breakfast and i didn't i slept on the train today and if i win i don't have to sleep on the train anymore there's nothing you can rhyme or say that can take away my hunger. As in like, that's what these guys, you know, that's, that's how seriously these guys took their craft, you know, and their, yeah. their, their rap and the way that they were, you know, throwing, throwing these, these words together and these rhymes together. It's like, this was their ticket out. You know what I mean? And that's why I, I find that fascinating. You know, you really didn't have to, like you said, you didn't have to be trained in this. All you got to do is, is, is be lyrically, you know, be able to string some words together and tell a story through your, yeah. your rhymes and like be able to think on the spot and stuff. And like, you could, you could make it, you know, you could make a record and, and, and become successful. Yeah. And we're focusing mainly on, um, the hip hop community in New York in the mid to late eighties, which I guess, you know what, dude, at some point we need to do an entire different episode on West coast hip hop. Cause it, because there was shit going down on the opposite end of the country around this time. I mean, we could even talk about the Ghetto Boys, man. Those guys are from the South. We'll talk about some Texas rap. Those guys are from uh, Houston. All right. Okay. The Ghetto yeah. Boys are. We all know Ghetto Boys. If you've seen The Office Space or the movie Office yeah. Space, like that's the that rap in the very beginning. That that guy's is uh, the character. I got my pistol point. Con- exactly. The guy that. The, 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 yeah. I don't he, even know exactly what he's when, saying. Yeah. When, when he's in his car and he <laughs> yeah, rolls he up his window, whatever turns it down. Yeah. But anyway. So, you know, you're talking about these rap battles. Um, and there was a nightclub called the Latin Quarter in uh, New York City, right downtown near Times Square. Um, there's a guy by the name of Paradise Gray, who was the quote mover and shaker of the time. He kind of just had his his ear to the ground. Um, he knew who was coming up, you know, like he 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 just knew everyone. And I think he was also a promoter too. Yeah, he was a promoter for the club. So, you know, if if you were worth your dime, uh, you know, he would his ears would perk up. You know, um, and I I kind of want to focus on um, we we mentioned briefly KRS One and and Scott LaRock. So. These guys formed a group called Boogie Down Productions uh, with another DJ by the name of Derek D. Nice Jones. Um, their debut album, which came out in 87, uh, was called Criminal Minded, and it's considered a classic of, uh, of, of hip-hop in the golden age. Um, the reason I want to focus on these guys is uh, specifically Scott Sterling. Scott LaRock and what happened to him in 87. Uh, so he, uh, was shot to death 
in in New York. His friend D Nice, who's also part of the group, uh, was assaulted by a couple of men uh, because apparently D Nice had been talking to one of their ex girlfriends. Ex girlfriends, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and so you know they confronted him about it, and uh, later D Nice you know asked Scott. It, you know, if he could maybe help him try to defuse the situation. So later on that same day, uh, Scott LaRock and uh, D Nice and a few other people in the group uh, all head down to uh, uh, the Highbridge Homes, which is this project's uh, building in South Bronx where the, the two guys lived. And uh, the whole point of heading there uh, was to defuse the situation, you know. But because they they rolled up with so many people, uh, those guys were threatened. And they were driving in this Jeep that had a fiberglass top on it. Um, And as they were leaving, uh, shots were fired through the side and through the top of the Jeep. So because of that fiberglass top, uh, those bullets got through. And Scott LaRock was hit in the head. Uh, it kind of like grazed his ear or something. Uh, but he was critically wounded. And they drove him to uh, the nearest hospital, which was less than a mile away. And he died in the operating room within an hour of being shot. So this was just five months after the release of Boogie Down Productions' first album, Criminal Minded. Um, that was kind of a big deal. It sent shockwaves through the hip-hop community in new york scotland rock was one of the first guys you know that was kind of in the spotlight in hip-hop at the time uh and he got he got shot there was kind of a ripple effect throughout the hip-hop community at the time and they all just kind of had this like sense of urgency to do something about the violence that was going on within their own community yeah this this seems to be something that uh that has kind of repeated itself. Like, you know, when you look back at the history of, of rap, like talking about, uh, you know, Biggie Smalls and, 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 and Tupac. Tupac, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. It, it happened. It seems to happen a lot, like within the community itself. Right. So that same year, KRS one, who again is, is uh, one of the founding members of Buggy down productions. Uh, he formed the stop the violence movement, uh, and in hopes of encouraging the hip hop community uh, to end the violence that was being committed on, on themselves. Um, and he brought together a bunch of East Coast hip hop rap stars uh, to record a song about anti violence. And it was called Self Destruction. I got a little clip here from the Hip Hop Evolution series. Uh, it's KRS One, he's kind of talking about it. And we've got a clip from the song itself, too. When we put the Stop the Violence movement, it was to directly affect the existence of hip-hop. Hip-hop is not about the promoting violence. That's not where hip-hop comes from. Hip-hop is about peace, love, unity, having fun. Today's topic, self-destruction, humiliate the rap audience is fucking. It's one of you suckers, ignorant brothers, trying to rob and steal from one another. Let's come to the show to unity. We know exactly who we are. This is what it means to be conscious, to be awake, to be aware. Leave the guns in the crack and the knobs alone. MC Light 
That was monumental. That was a switch in hip hop that ignited that fire inside of us. What can I do to change these horrible circumstances for our people? Dude, watching that episode and hearing about this for the first time, uh, I just did so much respect for these people, you know? Like, they they recognized the problem, and they realized how big of a problem it was. And they immediately, they, they grouped together. I know that they had a lot of meetings at the Latin Quarter, you know, with um, Paradise Gray and a lot of the, of the other really important people within the community. You know, and they talked about and brainstormed ways ways that they could change this and you know releasing an uh, an entire song with with a bunch of stars from the east coast the entire song is about you know respecting each other and embracing their heritage you know like right. focusing on their african heritage um and and just standing strong together and, and trying to to put an end to the violence i, I, I just have so much respect for that yeah, you know, especially since, like you said, they're embracing their their heritage. You know, they're, they're all you know in it together, and it seems like there's a, that kind of theme with like, like I was talking about earlier. It's like, hey, we we're all recognizing that this is a way for us to to get out of this uh, this environment that, that that we're in, as far as like the violence and whatnot. And so when we're, and this is again, like we have to preface this by saying that like. I have no, no real history with any sort of an upbringing like this. So I have to be careful when I talk about stuff like this right. to not sound completely ignorant. But like what I'm saying is like, it sounds like they, they acknowledge the fact that our circumstances are shit, mm-hmm. you know, there's violence and stuff around us. So when we start to perpetrate that violence on ourselves, right? like they, they, they acknowledge how, how counterproductive that is and how, um, absurd that is really. And that's what it seems like these movements kind of come out from that. Right. It's like, we need to stop, uh, you know, killing ourselves here and like band together, embrace our heritage. Like we're in this together. Let's, let's make something positive out of all of this. Right. And like, we need to be more than just the, the culture, like, you know, like we've got this hip hop movement and it's this whole culture, but like, we need to, we need to be, we need to rise even above that. And, and, use this platform to showcase our heritage. Um, a lot of people in in the community at that time started to take on African or Islamic names. Um, they really started to flex their consciousness. They would start wearing Zulu beads and African medallions, and they would shame anyone in the hip hop community who wore gold or, you know, like excessive jewelry. Um, and see, that's the funny thing you said right there. Like that obviously flipped again by the time that you and oh I were my, oh dude we're, I we're, we're paying attention to rap and stuff when we were in middle school or whatnot because that it was, wasn't even 10 years later right dude. exactly it was it was all they rapped about was the cars they drove the jewelry they wore uh, and it's, it's the, the money same, they had it's the same now man right exactly now I mean I also again want to be try to think about what why that is it's like you know they're celebrating the fact that once again, they have escaped their circumstances that perhaps they grew up in and whatnot. That's why they, uh, rap about 
all their possessions and stuff. It's like, hey, we 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 made it, you know? Yeah. We did it. You know, I think about the same thing with um, professional athletes. You know, you go, you right. go, you get right out of high school. You've never been um, financially independent, or you know, you've never had to live on your own with you know within your own means. And you get right. handed millions of dollars. You don't know how to what to do with it, so you just spend yeah. it all and you show it off. Um, you know, but but it's you know these these uh, hip hop artists during this time were very conscious about you know the impact that they that they could have, uh, like the positive impact that they could have. Uh, you know, if if they were more conscious about it. So out of this movement comes the native tongues and that is a collective of artists that had their main focus was on positive minded good natured afrocentric lyrics so they were closely tied to the universal zulu nation that is a it's an international hip hop awareness group um originally and that was founded by africa bambada I was going to say, like, I recognize uh, the words Zulu Nation from Mm -hmm. that song Planet Rock. I'm sure he he probably drops the name elsewhere, but I was listening to some Africa Barabata stuff. Yeah. And the song Planet Rock that he talks about Zulu Nation. Yep. Yeah. So uh, Bambata was an MC. He was a singer songwriter. Uh, He heavily influenced uh, the culture of hip hop in the early 80s. Uh, You know, so anyone coming up in the in the mid mid to late eighties, early nineties knew who Africa Bambada was. And there's a, there's so many lyrics in, in uh tribe called quest songs, uh, where Q-tip sings about Africa Bambada specifically. Yeah, he's, I mean, he says his name explicitly. Yep. And, and several times in uh, low end theory. So Zulu nation now, or just the word Zulu, uh, now is more just of a general term for positive based hip hop. And basically their whole thing is, is, you know, promoting that, that hip hop itself, the culture, the music is created to provide peace, love, unity, and quote, having fun. That's what they were all about around that time. They, they realized, okay, hip hop is, we're, you know, we're getting out of the streets and we're starting to, you know, have an effect globally. Let's try to make sure that, that we're, you know, promoting this positive way of of living you know peace love unity having yeah because they were they themselves were ambassadors of their people their culture yeah yeah so the native tongues consisted of the jungle brothers de la soul and a tribe called quest and you said as well that you, you said queen latifah was also part of that right right yeah yeah um so we're not gonna dive too far into these individual bands um but i do want to focus a little bit on the jungle brothers before we land on a tribe called quest we're getting there um so jungle brothers they are the first group that did the whole quote pro black thing without being too preachy and with uh, you know and having fun with it at the same time um you know so there were a lot of groups out there that were promoting this Afrocentric way of doing things in the hip hop community, but they were like really strict about, you know, like, 
like like we had said earlier, like they would shame you if you wore gold jewelry, but they were almost not violent, but you know, like like they weren't having fun with it. They did they didn't they they weren't able to connect with the masses. Jungle Brothers were the first the first group to do that. Um, not only that, but uh, their first album called Straight Out the Jungle, which came out in 1988. So again, this is one year after Scott LaRock died. That album was, quote, the blueprint for hip-hop going forward. It was jazzy, and it was quirky, and it, you know, it totally went against the grain. After that album came out, the stage was, was set for hip-hop groups to engage with jazz. Um, so, you know, at the very beginning, we talked about how, you know, during the golden age of hip-hop, a lot of these artists started to heavily sample uh, music and they would sample old records, you know, uh, you know, whatever, whatever their parents had in, in their, at their houses, you know, they would grab those records, take them with them to the studio and, uh, figure out creative ways to, to loop those beats and, and, uh, you know, those hooks trumpets and, those and saxophones. And stuff, yeah. yeah. So it, it, you know, it made the, hip hop around that time, you know, very eccentric and it kind of like bridged the gap between generations. Tribe Called Quest was one of those uh, bands, specifically Q-Tip was really, really creative in, in his use of sampled music. That's another thing that really grabbed my attention. I I think I always knew that hip hop and rap sampled stuff heavily. But when I heard Q-Tip talk about like, and maybe we're jumping the gun here by, by saying this quote, but he was saying that um, because they didn't have that, um, that background or they weren't, you know, they weren't brought up with musical instruments. They didn't really know how to, how to play. It's like these records that, that their father's records their parents' records became the session players yeah. for them yeah. on the low end theory record. And I, you know, I just, I love the idea that like they, you know, the, they're they're gathered around. They're going through their dad's records, or at least Q-Tip is, and like listening to their parents' music and and, and you know uh, clinging on to that kind of stuff, and then bringing it with them into the studio. It's like they're bringing their parents' uh, love and passion for music with them into the studio as they're making music. You know, I, I love that. Really cool. Yeah, I love the idea of that because like you know we can relate to that. You know. As far as like how much of a, we used to go through our dad's records too, you know? All the time, dude. Yeah. And I'll, I'll loosely quote Q-Tip, you know, this is pretty much what you're saying. So, so he says a lot of kids who come up doing hip hop are doing so with the only tools that they had. All we had were records. We're making do with what we have. So we take these turntables and they become our instruments. Um, And yeah, so I'm going to, I'm going to play another clip. Uh, real quick from uh, this is Al Shahid Muhammad, who again was a uh, co-producer in these with, in these records. He he kind of t- he talks a little bit about about sampling these old jazz records. When a lot of these records were created, there were so many limitations and restrictions on their life. So the only opportunity that maybe an artist had to completely express themselves without being smacked over the head and thrown in a jail just for feeling was when they got in those records and they played 
you know, so if you hear a Lee Morgan, there's so much in every note, in the melody, the grace, the freedom, there'd be a few notes and it'd be the space. That's jazz. So good, man. Yeah, I love it. So, um, thank you, everyone, for getting through this with us. We're like over 30 minutes in, and we finally reached our first song. So, I wanted to play the first track on uh, A Tribe Called Quest's first album, People's Instinctive Travels and the Paths of Rhythm, um, mainly just to focus on Q-Tip's lyrics, because it kind of goes back to that Afrocentric, you know, Zulu Nation way of communicating with, with their audience at the time. So this song is, again, track one off their first album. It's called Push It Along. Recital. If you can't envision a brother who ain't dissing, slinging this and that, cause this and that was missing. Instead, it's been injected, the tribe has been perfected. Oh, yes, it's been selected, the art makes it protected. Afrocentric living, Africans be given a lot to the cause, cause the cause has been risen. Some brothers they be flamming, thinking we ain't slamming, coming off like the days when we used to wear the Tanzan. A blue collar talker, hemisphere stalker, a glass of OJ and a 10 mile walker. If you're in a Jeep and you dig what you're hearing, can I get a beep and a side order of cheering? I am what I am, that's a tribal man. We all know the colors, we all must stand. As we start our travels, things they will unravel. Quesera, Sarah, for this unit is like gravel. Won't be gone for long, listen to the song. If you can't pull it, all you gotta do is... Push it along, push it along, push it along, yeah, push it along. Man, that is crazy, dude, because as I was listening to that drum beat. I recognize that drum beat from a from a song from a, like a, a trip hop song that I'm familiar with that I used in one of my mixtapes on for for no uh, for New Dust back in the day. Really? Yeah, and I looked it up and and, and like like that was the song. Like I I, well, I remembered it correctly. It was this this guy called DJ Cam, mm-hmm. and the song is called Mad Blunted Jazz. Like the drum beat was just instantly recognizable to me. So anyway, that's just crazy. I, I love how. I love how that shit happened. So that song came out in 95, so it makes you wonder, is was DJ Cam sampling that drum beat because he too came across it and realized that it'd be a good drum beat for his song, or did he sample it because he's paying homage to Tribe? To Tribe, know? yeah. Makes you wonder. Yeah, I just love, I, I, I love the idea, and, and you were saying this too earlier, um, how you know an entire genre spawned from... People who didn't have the means, you know, they, they, they didn't grow up, you know, in a in an environment that allowed them to learn instruments, but they realized, oh, I can manipulate these sounds and loop them, and all I need is a turntable, you know, and I can take these old records and I can I can make new music out of it, uh, you know, and that's still that's still happening today. Yeah, it goes back to our conversation about um, about dub early dub music. And we talked about this on our Tosca episode on our sidetrack for the Tosca episode. Yeah. Uh, we talked about how early dub artists 
like you said, it's what they had available to them. It was a turntable and a, a collection of records, and you could make music on on it. And I think I think rap comes from that because then they just started to rap over it. You know, right? Same thing, but now we're rapping on top of it. Yeah. So I'm I'm not going to read the lyrics. You can look it up. You know, but but I'm I'm sure you heard. You know, he talks about Afrocentric living. He talks about the quote cause, uh, and and that cause being risen, you know, it's all about the, the, you're just, they're just right smack dab in the middle of that, of that movement. Um, and to put all this in perspective, dude. So again, this album came out in 1990. Guess what the number one song in America was in 1990. I know what the answer to this is, dude. What? It was, it was vanilla ice, ice, ice baby. Yeah. So, which is funny because he sampled the David Bowie track, right? The David the, Bowie, the Queen, the Queen the, David Bowie song, yeah, um, yeah under f- pressure, right? So it's like everybody was. I mean, that, that's what they were doing. So it's not, you know, it's not like Tribe was the first to sample music. No, but the the reason I wanted to bring up the Vanilla Ice was number one is that like I'm not gonna pull it up, but like what what were the lyrics in, in Vanilla Isis? You know, in, in Ice Ice Baby, what were those lyrics? They were probably super shallow and and pointless and you know bands like jungle brothers a tribe called quest and de la soul during that same time they were doing the same thing you know but 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 their lyrics were meaningful you know and 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 it was a to- a whole different side of of the hip-hop coin um people's instinctive is just a really fun uh debut it, it's really great so um shit man we need to t- we need to get into low end theory Let's do it. Yeah, we do. Yeah. So um, this was released in September of 91. So just one year after uh, People's Instinctive. From this point on, really, we're just going to play the tunes. You know, we're going to we're going to focus on the on the lyrics and play the tunes. You know, I think we've covered enough history. I mean, look, I, I think it was important for us to to spend some time on this. Like like we said, this is our first discussion about this on this podcast so obviously we can't cover the entire history of hip-hop and rap in you know 30 minutes but hopefully this just gives some context into or some context into why tribe was so important yeah and and really for us dude i know you're in the same boat what i love about this style i guess of hip-hop and and hip hop around this time was the those heavily sampled jazz uh, beats. Yes, and, and, absolutely. And man. saxophone, and you know, like that's kind of what got me interested in. Like that was kind of the, the same. My my foot in the door was through the jazz samples. Absolutely, because I dude. love, I love, I love down tempo. I love trip hop. Yeah, and I I love you know blurring these these genres and. Like they like they they had said about you know the golden age of hip hop, what made it so special was that it was you know kind of bridging bridging the gap between generations, you know, and like he said, these guys were just pulling records from from their parents' collection, bringing it into the studio with them. Exactly, I, I love I love that. Like you said, it's like it's the it's bringing in the previous generation's music into their own music. I just I love I love that. Yeah, so. Q-Tip solo on on the first track on Low End Theory. He kind of introduces himself, too. Um, It's really cool. So I only have one clip for this one. Uh, It's track one on the Low End Theory. It's called Excursions. 
back in the days when I was a teenager Before I had status and before I had a pager You can find the abstract, listening to hip hop My pops used to say it reminded him of bebop I said, well daddy, don't you know that things go in cycles Way the Bobby Brown is just amping like Michael It's all expected, things are for the looking If you got the money, quest is for the booking Come on everybody, let's get with the fly mode Still got room on the truckload of black Listen to the rhyme to get a mental picture of this black man, black woman picture. Why do I say that? Cause I gotta speak the truth, man. Doing what we feel for the music is the proof. And planet on the ground, the act is so together. Gonna fight strong, you need leverage to sever. The unit, yes, the unit, yes, the unit called the jazz is delivering each year. LP filled with street goods. You can find it on your rack in your record store. If you get the records, say your thoughts are adored and appreciated. Cause we're ever so glad we made it. We work hard, so we gotta thank God. Dishing out the plastic, do the dance till you're spastic If you diss, it gets drastic Listen to the rhyme, cause it's time to make gravy If it moves your booty, then shake, shake it, baby All the way to Africa, aka the motherland Stick out the left, then I'll ask for the other hand That's the right hand, black man Only if you are noted as my man If I get the credit, then I think I deserve it If you fake news, don't fix your mouth to word it Get in the zone of positivity, not negativity Cause we gotta strive for longevity If you buy chum, what's in that? What? A pair of Nike size 10 and a half I mean, yeah, he even shouts shouts it out to his father, you know He talks about... uh, you know, my pops used to say it reminded him of bebop. I said, don't you know that things go in cycles? I love that idea, right? So he just said like, hey, he's he's it, basically what we just talked about. How like things go in cycles, like yep. rappers from that generation were borrowing samples and stuff from jazz records and old bebop records and stuff. So, so there you go. He teased it up for us right there. Yep. The first line back in the days when I was a teenager before I had status and before I had a pager, you could find the abstract, which was another uh, nickname for himself. You can find the abstract listening to hip hop. There you go. Yeah. As you know, he just grew up on it. Um, and that's another thing too. Like him and Fife go back to childhood. They were, they were childhood friends. Um, Apparently they went to church together, grew up in the same neighborhood. Yeah. And they, and they were, uh, you know, rhyming together since they were kids, like literally since they were kids, this has been an, a dream of theirs, like a, a vision that they, that they've been striving towards since they were kids. Well, yeah, apparently they had rap demos when they were 11 and 12. <laughs> yeah. That's so, I, th- I think it was, uh, they had demo tapes. Yeah. I think it was, uh, Jerobi that was quoted, uh, talking about that, uh, in the hip hop evolution episode. Like, yeah, like they had a manager when they were like 13, they had, they released their first demo, as teenagers well yeah and they you know they went on to say that they were already in those circles like from early on getting their music listened to and getting feedback and and critiques and stuff from from people from all the the big names you know that's probably how they got into to the native tongues collective just because you know i mean part of it was because like he even said in this song uh, about uh positivity yeah get get in the zone of positivity not negativity (laughs) <laughs> get get in the zone of positivity, not negativity, because we got to strive for longevity. So just like we were saying earlier, it's like this is this needs to be positive because, you know, we're looking long term here for what what we want hip hop and rap to be about. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I didn't play it in that clip, but verse two, um, 
He says, We're on these excursions, so you must realize that continually I pop my Zulu shit. If you don't like it, get off the Zulu tip. You know, so he's like saying, if you're not part of the Zulu movement, if you're not if you're not part of what this movement stands for, then then fucking you can't claim to be a part of exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. Don't wear the Zulu beads if you're not part of this movement. Um, and then a few, a few verses down, uh, he says, especially if you rhyme, you have to live by the pen. Your man is your man. Then treat him like your friend. All it is, is the code of the streets. So listen to the knowledge being dropped over beats. I fucking love that line, dude. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, Let's talk about how different the sound of this album was, because apparently this this uh, this album uh, just sounded different than than anything else that had been done at the time. And apparently they went into the making of this record wanting to make it sound like something that hadn't been heard before. And uh, the guy that that we had a quote from in the very beginning of the episode that introduced us in was the sound engineer for this record, Bob Power, right? Yeah. And he talked about in the Hip Hop Evolution series about uh, the challenge that was kind of brought to him uh, by Q-Tip of basically like the challenge being how do we get the kick drum to have that huge presence but be able to hear everything else clearly at the same time. So basically, and I don't remember, I guess it was, uh, what was the other guy's name? The guy that talked about them having demo tapes? Oh, Jerobi? Yeah, so apparently uh, uh, Jerobi was saying that at that time, like subwoofers and stuff in, in cars were starting to become a thing. So you really had to, to like the goal was to take advantage of those subwoofers and stuff. And as Bob Power said, like the goal was to shake the Jeep. Yeah. Quote unquote. Yeah. Shake the Jeep. I like that. I like that quote. Shake the Jeep. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that was the goal of this thing. And like when you listen to the record, that kick drum really is just front and center, you know, but, but oh, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't overpower everything else. Yeah, and uh, I think Q-Tip also like says, you know, that was one of the main things for us was that that you know low end sound just be you know being able to shake the Jeep was that that was a, a main focus for them in their sound. Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like Q-Tip was kind of the uh, he, he was obviously the mastermind behind everything, and he was a uh, a perfectionist. Yeah, on on these records, I mean, it you know. To go back to Radiohead, it sounds like he is—he's the Tom York of the group. Oh, for, for sure, absolutely, right? without a doubt. Yeah, and like he would come into sessions that that they had been working on previously, and just kind of scrap the whole thing because he had a, a better idea in his head or something like that, you know. Yeah, and they learned to go with it because if he, if he scrapped something, chances are that that you know something even better was was coming down the pipes. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. So one more thing before we move on to the next one because I want to we're talking about how, how crucial these jazz samples were. I wanted to mention every sample, or at least the ones that were, that have been noted on who sampled.com, which is a tremendous resource. But anyway, so for this song in particular excursions, the baseline is a song by art Blakely and the messengers called a chant for boo. The drums uh, a group called the shades of Brown. The song is the toil I tilled for you. And then I guess we didn't get this far, but, um, unless you have a second clip. No, I don't. 
well, there's this vocal track that comes in. Yeah, at the very sounds end. sounds like, yeah. So that's a, that's, a, that's a musical track. It's, it's from this group called The Last Poets, and the song is called Time is Running Out. Yeah, and and that um, sample the lyrics is, in that are interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. Yeah, so the so that sample says, uh, "Time is running out on black power advocates in the day and white thighed supporters at night. Every time you see them, they're chasing some white woman with their tongue hanging out. Time is running and passing, passing and running, running and pat. Yeah, it just it just kind of fades out with him saying, "Time is running and passing, passing and running." Yeah. All right, so that's we we did it, dude. We got, we got to the low end theory. Um, yeah, we got to one song. We got th- like three more. So one change up in the band between uh, People's Instinctive and Low End Theory. Jerobi White leaves the group, and um, that's you know mainly because he really didn't provide much in their first album. You know he 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 was he was part of the group, but he really didn't flex his muscles, I guess. And he was just kind of more of a, like a, what do you, what, what's the word? Like a hype guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it was, it was a no hard feelings kind of thing. Um, so then you just got Q-Tip and Fife. A big difference between these two albums, um, you know, Fife just gets better as a, as an MC, as, as a, as a, as a, a rapper. He just kind of steps up, you know? And then you've got this really cool back and forth with Q-Tip and Fife and their songs, you know. Uh, so I'm going to quote someone here. I don't, I don't, I don't know who this is. <laughs> I read this in an article somewhere. I really liked it. Uh, it. They say Q-Tip's voice is simultaneously nasal and perfectly pure, and it might be too smooth for its for its own good. Fife Dog's voice works to balance the smoothness the way a bite of bacon can balance the sweetness of maple syrup. Hmm. I like that. Yeah, me too. Um, and let's just, you know, kind of take the, mo- take a moment here. So Fife Dog had diabetes. Uh, he was diagnosed in the 90, in 1990. He would refer to himself as the funky diabetic he passed away on March 23rd of 2016 uh, due to complications with with diabetes. Since then, they've released one album, which is actually phenomenal, dude. It's it's called "We Got It From Here." Thank you for your service. Came out the year that Five passed away. Yeah, and let's just mention it came out in 2016, so it's relatively new. Yeah, yeah. So again, that was the year that Five died, um, and there's actually. Fives recorded and and you know he he spits some rhymes in this album, yeah and um, yeah so so he's he's gone but you know there's just this really this perfect balance between the two of them as MCs together they're they're just a powerhouse dude like there's just something about like with Five Dogs lyrics um, you know they're super uh, you know fun and goofy and he rags on himself a lot in his lyrics. Uh, so the the next song I'm going to play is track four. It's called Butter. And um, Fife is pretty much front and center on this one. So apparently Q-Tip planned for this song to be a back and forth, like a mic trading session, quote unquote. Um, but Fife wanted the track all to himself. And so he he actually, he won that fight. And um, Q-Tip pops up in the chorus, but otherwise it's this is 
a five track. So uh, again, this is track four. It's called Butter. But the girls were mad fly Lounging with the tipster Cooling with shop Scoping out the honeys They know who they are I was the b-ball playing Fly rhyme saying Fly girl getting Whenever was I sweating Cause when it came to honeys I would go in a stroke Until I met my match Her name was Flo Yeah, I messed around With the one called Flo All the troopers round the way Used to call her a hoe But deep down in my heart I knew that Flo was good to go Cause I thought it was me Like Belle Biv DeVoe but little did I know that she was playing with my mind The only thing I've learned is good girls are hard to find I feel like heavy D, I need somebody for me Not someone whose mind is blank and trying to juice me for my banks Swinging with my main man, lucky behind my back What type of crap is that? Yo, how's about a smack? Word life, I can't front Thought I was all that But now it seems, I've met my match I was a stone cold lover You couldn't tell me that Settling down with one girl Wasn't trying to hear that I had Tanya, Tamika, Sharon, Karen Stacy, Julie, Tracy used to love them, leave them, skeeze them, tease them, find them, lose them, also abuse them. My whole attitude was new day, next hunt, and believe it or not, they all got done. But here comes Flo with the crazy whip appeal, and I'm all too man, like Alexander O'Neill. Is this really love? Then again, how would I know? After all this time, trying to be a super hoe. She finally played me, but yo, I'd find another, cause I've got the crazy game, and yo, I'm smooth hey, yo, like butter. It's like butter. It's like butter, baby. 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 It's like butter. It's like butter. So right there, that saxophone uh, that you're hearing in the background that that Q-Tip is rapping over, it's a song uh, by Gary Bartz called "Gentle Smiles, Saxy" in parentheses. And what's funny is like you can hear another vocal track that q-tip is singing over in addition to that sax and that's also on that record Hmm. so it's like they couldn't split the sax from the the vocal track on that sample so it's just thrown in there so that's gary bart's vocals interesting uh i didn't didn't even notice that yeah there's a couple other samples in here uh the main hook and riff that you're hearing in the beginning is a song called young and fine by the weather report and then the drums throughout the track is a song by Chuck Jackson called I like everything about you. So if you go back and listen to the, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting to go and listen to these songs too, because it it gives you a a clue into the type of music that was just laying around the house, you know, when Q-Tip was growing up. Yeah. So, um, you know, again, in their first album, people's instinctive, um, Fife wasn't really front and center. You like, he, you know, he, he just, wasn't in the right mindset like he just didn't care so much you know he was quote having fun and chasing girls at the time and q-tip pulled him aside he says yo (laughs) 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 that's what he said uh you know i'm about to start recording this next album i want you on a couple of the songs but you have to take it serious uh and fife kind of took that in consideration and um along with the the last couple shows that they did for their first album, he realized, okay, Hey, this, this could be a serious thing, you know? So Q-Tip wanted Fife along, along for the ride the whole time, you know, again, these, these guys have been friends since, since they were kids, you know, they, they grew up together. Um, yeah. So I, I think it's cool that 
you know, Q-Tip is the is the main man. Q, Q-Tip's the Tom York of the group, or you know, right? Or the, or the Brit Daniel. But you know, he he didn't want to do this without Five. I think that's great. Um, you know, and, and their uh, vocal interplay, you know, is 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 what made them so memorable. All right, so we've got another couple songs to play. And uh, Travis, we're doing verses from the abstract mainly just because you you really really wanted to do this one. I love this song, but but you you know we're texting we were texting back and forth for this episode, and you said, "Man, I fucking we got to do verses from the abstract." Yeah. So so what I liked about this one is you know with all these tracks that that have the bass uh, the bass line, the drum, and and like other musical instruments that are on the track are actually just sampled uh, jazz records. Uh, this song has both a a bass player in the studio that gets a shout out toward the end of the song, and uh, a female vocalist in the studio as well. So her name is uh, Vinya Mohika. She she's on a, a De La Soul song. She's on a Jungle Brothers song. So they're bringing her in um, because of her, you know, her, her 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 background. You know, she's just you know basically it sounds like. You know, she she was she was one of the native tongues. Um, she she was in that collective, right? Yeah, yeah. So you know, she's just making her mark on 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 their record as well. You know, cool. I don't know if she had her own stuff. I mean, she probably did. Um, yeah, she she uh, she had a couple of singles. It looks like she was mainly uh, threw herself onto uh, to 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 these records with um, with with various groups from the from the native tongues collective. So anyway. And I also, I just like the, uh, it's it, like the beginning of the song kind of has like this sort of like, just, it sounds like Q-Tip is just kind of talking in the just studio. Just talking into the mic. Yeah. 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 So let's, let's hear it. So this is, uh, the next track right after Butter. Uh, it's track five. It's called Verses from the Abstract. I had a dream about my man last night <laughs> and my man came by the, the studio and his name is Buster Rhymes in effect. Shaheed is in effect. Fife did org is in effect. Check it out and give me my spec. I'm moving, yes, I'm moving cause my mouth is on the motor. Use the coast in the morning to avoid the funky odor. Can't help being funky, I'm the funky abstract brother. Funky in the sense, but I play the undercover. Once had a fetish, fetish for some booty. Now I'm getting funky in my rapping, that's my duty. Brothers tend to jock on the style in particular. If you got the ego like some brothers, then I'll get with you. But if I don't pursue, then I just don't give a f- My motto in the 90s is be happy making ducks. Girls love the gym because it causes crazy friction. When it goes up in, it fluctuates the addiction. I still understand the oof because that's what I'm at for. I'm hooked on the swing, so just call me the music whore. Women love the voice. Brothers dig the lyrics. Quest the people's choice. We driving for the spirit. If you can't hear it, then get the wax utensils. Write my rhyme straight up. Don't get with no fancy stencil. The rhymes be getting sweet. We stay away from taught. A perfectionist at work. Working up the art. If you want to battle, I suggest you check your clock. Your demise is coming up, and I want your man to watch. Be the prime example, a deeper still the sample. Insignificance, here I place you on the mantle. Born up in Harlem, reside now in Jamaica. The girl I used to rock, her mom's was a Quaker. And what does that make her? The evil money taker, the crazy move faker. I use that to break her. Fife is in the house. Uncle Mike is in the house. Bob Power is in the house. Tim Latham is in the house. 
wise men is in the house. The brand news is in the house. The JBs, they in the house. And J-Lock, they in the house. I must regroup my thoughts and kick the next one for my people. Please don't be deceived by the ugly sights of evil. The world is kind of cold and the rhythm is my blanket. Wrap yourself up in it. If you love it, then you'll flank it. Don't move to rebuttal. Wave your hand for action. Some women in the 90s want more than satisfaction. They want keys and G's and all those illy things. If you want to, I'll show you just what the app can bring. I keep a tight net with my brothers Ken and Kenny. If the question is of rhymes, then I'll tell you I got plenty. The thing that men and women need to do is stick together. Progressions can't be made if we're separate forever. I hope this funky beat with the loop and the feature is the funky singing by Miss Vinnie Mojica. So listen because the quest is... Yeah, so you just, it faded out on that last line, but, but he says, My people have been oppressed too long. No more will we be down. So again, like, it's about, it's about uh, escaping, uh, you know, their circumstances. I feel like that's a lot. It seems like with these early rap records and it happens still today, like a lot of times it's, it's, it's this collective effort, you know? Yeah. Like he's, he's, he's dropping all these names. He even says De La's in the house. Yep. He, he, he gives a shout uh, out to, he to, says br- uh, the, the brand noobs, which is brand newbian. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just like the, the, the line, uh, you know, they, they started to flex their consciousness uh, in the golden age of hip hop, and I I pulled that from um, from Paradise Gray, that that promoter from um, the Latin Quarters. Um, yeah, man, that's what that's what it was all about was was just uh, you know lifting up their people. Yeah, and it seems like it's also like all these name drops that happen in these rap songs. I think it's done from a place of like, let me make sure that I that I put get your name on this track so that you can get the credit. And the, so you can get the recognition. Yeah. You know, Cause like, I, like I, I wouldn't be here without you. Yeah. And he, and that's why he, he credits, uh, the, the female vocalist, he says her name. And then later on he, he says, thanks a lot, Ron Carter on the bass. Yes. My man, Ron Carter is on the bass. Like, and then Ron Carter is even, he even does this little dating on the bass, like with the name drop, you know? Yeah. That's cool. So like he shouts out Bob power, you know? They get the guy right, that, exactly. that mixed, mixed their first three albums. He gives a shout out to Uncle Mike too. Uh, I looked into this. Uncle oh, yeah. Mike is um, Ali Shahid's uncle, Ali Shahid Muhammad. Uh, apparently, uh, Ali Shahid Muhammad's first DJ experience was uh, he was using Uncle Mike's turntables at a party. And they recorded their first demo in Uncle Mike's basement. So it's fucking great, man. That's what I'm saying, man. This is what I like about it is that when you when you read the lyrics and when you research all of these name drops, it's like they are telling you the history right here. You yeah. Know? They're saying, here's how we got here. And I, I, I just love I, I love it because with with rock and roll, you know, it seems like the lyrics are are less about the, the, the band or the history of the group or. You know, when when did you ever hear a Zeppelin song or something like that reference, you know, a blues musician that they that they came from, the you know, that they borrowed from? Almost never, dude. Never. Or or just like a shout out to the producer. Like on like it just doesn't happen because rock lyrics are are are, are more they're just not they're they're more uh I don't know. It's just it's just not about that. Because well, dude, let's just put it, it this it's way. It's a dude. different it's a different context. I've never read the lyrics to a rock song 
and knew for sure, oh, they're singing about this is a legit thing that happened to him. Like every time with a rock song, it's like, okay, they could be, they could literally just be making up a character and writing about a scenario that's happening to a fictional character just for this song. Never have I listened to a a rock song where I knew for sure they're doing a shout out to an actual person or they're singing about things that actually happened to them. It's almost, it's, it's like with comedians. Yeah. Who knows if, if the jokes that they're telling are based on true experiences or not. They they make it seem they you know it's first person, but you never know if it's it's uh, an actual experience that they've had. And yeah, for sure they don't sh- they don't give shout outs ever. And yeah, exactly. And, and that's what I appreciate. I mean, they might do it like almost like uh, ironically or something like that. Like uh, you know, um, I think I think I think Leonard Skinner uh, essentially references Neil Young. Uh, in I think they say his name straight up actually in in Sweet Home Alabama or something like that, but that's because that was their that was them reacting to Southern Man or something like that. The the Neil Young, but anyway, like that that's what I'm I'm starting to appreciate and and love and respect about this early rap and hip hop is that they are telling us their story. Yeah, you know, yeah, I love it. It's great. Um, now there's a a sample from Heat Wave in this song, right? Right. Yeah. So let me, let me just say that real quick. The two samples in the song, because, you know, I said earlier that the bass and the female vocals are not samples. Those people are in the studio, but, uh, and he made sure to call them out. Like I said, yeah. um, and then, but there are some samples. The drums, uh, are sampled from a song called upon this rock by Joe Farrell. And then the sort of that almost like a, it almost sounds like a guitar strumming in the background is a heat wave song called the star of the story. Yeah, dude, just real quick, man. That's, that's my favorite album of, of heat waves. It's called central heating. I know you're as big a fan of freaks and geeks as I am, dude. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I got in a heat wave because on, on the final episode in the, in the series, it's called discos and dragons. Uh, fucking what's his name, dude? Uh, Jason, Jason Siegel's character yeah. does like a, right. yeah, it does like a, rollerblade disco dance off and uh, a song called the groove line is playing uh, from that album. Yeah, dude, I love, I love finding out that kind of stuff. Yeah, man. All right. So this is, this is lengthy, bro. We got, we got ourselves a long ass episode, but we're done. This is the last song we're going to play for you. It's all about the lyrics again, dude. I love the lyrics in the song. I love the whole concept behind it. You know, yeah, it's a it's a fun song. The man. execution, it's it's cool, dude. So, um, it's only two and a half or so minutes long. We're just gonna play the whole song. So here is track thirteen. We're jumping down a few a few a few songs. Uh, it's called what. They're looking for excuses, game for the buzzer who kicked it to the mooses. Lame as a brain could be golly gee. If you see a shrink, he'll charge you a fee. If you see me, you see the fee is nothing. We will people patience, all backs, no fronting. What is a party if it doesn't really rock? What 
is a poet or balls no cop. What is a war if it doesn't have a general? What's Channel 9 if it doesn't have a senior? What is a life if you don't have fun? What is a what if you ain't got a gun? What's Ali without Shaheed Muhammad? Nothing. Kapelka makes you vomit. What is a quest if the players ain't willing? What is a pence if you don't have a shilling? Excuse me if I'm chilling. Hey, what? Say what? What's a fat man without food in his gut? What's a childbirth without the umbilical? What's United Parcels without the deliverer? What's Mama Son without Papa Son? What's martial arts without Daniel Son? What's Rashi without Tanya Tamika? What's Orange Juice a Dougie Doug without Shaniqua? Nada, 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 not a damn thing. What's Duke Skeleton without that swing? What's Alex Haley if it doesn't have roots? What's a weekend if you ain't knocking boots? What's a black nation without black unity? What is a child who doesn't know puberty? What is my label when I exit womb status? What's menage a trois? Or that is, what is sex when you have three people? What are laws if they ain't fair and equal? What's Clark Kent without a telephone booth? What is a liquor if it ain't 80 proof? What are the youth if they ain't rebelling? What's Ralph Cramden if he ain't yelling? At Ed Norton, what is Coke snorting? What is position if there is no contorting? What is hip hop if it doesn't have Violence. Chill for a minute, Dougie Fresh said silence. What is a Glock if you don't have a clip? What's a lollipop without the good ship? What's S&M if you don't have chains? What's a con artist if he doesn't have brains? What's America without greed and glamour? What's an MC if he doesn't have stamina? What's Music Factory without Mr. Walt? What's True Glory without a phrase called talk? What's Chris Lighty if he wasn't such a baby? What is a woman if she didn't say maybe? Baby laid down, I removed the frown. What would be my penal core if it wasn't brown? What is a paper without a president? What is a compound without a element what is a jam if you don't spike the punch what's a brewski if you don't bite brunch Ooh, it's like that you keep going freak freak y'all cause you know that we showing what to go 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 what oh man that's good dude the, there's no point in even diving into these lyrics there's just so much but it's it is worth reading this song in its entirety man it's so cool I just love the uh, chill for a minute. Dougie Fresh sheds silence. Yeah, and then this the entire that it's entire like a four measures. second pause, yeah. man. So like you know, that's that's ballsy. But <laughs> this four silent pause in your song where not, there's nothing but complete silence. Plus, isn't Dougie Fresh? He's a rapper, right? Dougie Fresh, yeah, dude. He's uh, isn't he the guy that he plays a character in Fresh Prince, dude? Him and Will Smith wrapped together i hope i'm right in that dude i thought i think no that's jazzy jeff oh shit jazzy jeff or jazzy <laughs> jazzy jeff i think yeah but what's funny is you, you you mentioned fresh prince like i guess that's kind of another we talk about exposure to hip-hop when we were young like i think will smith was probably an exposure to i think spencer had big willie style oh, i'm pretty sure he had that record didn't he yeah well dude and you know what i i can i can sing the entire fresh prince theme song yeah from dude start to get, finish Getting Jiggy With It, Men in Black theme song. That was all on Big Willie Smith. Anyway, the uh, sample, the main sample that you hear in that song is a song called Uncle Willie's Dream by Paul Humphrey. So if you like that little funky kind of like guitar thing there. Dude, it reminded me of a... What is that song, dude? Oh, uh, Superstitious by oh, yeah. yeah by Stevie Wonder. I thought that's what they sampled from, honestly. Yeah, that's that same style. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure that that he kind of uh, popularized that sound. That sound yeah. 
Um, okay, so that's it, dude. Let's fucking wrap this up, man, because people are tired of listening to us, I feel like. I think one of the reasons we're also going this deep is because I feel like we're both sort of diving into this genre at the same time here and, and learning all of this stuff like within the last few months well, for me it's it's the last couple of years yeah but i didn't dive into it like this yeah all right so to wrap it up i think i'm just gonna play um a little bit of heat wave from the song that they sampled uh and verses from the abstract so thank you as always for listening hop on our website nofillerpodcast.com we've got our show notes there for every episode there you'll find you know more information if you're looking for it a lot of times we'll post videos and uh you know other links that that we think you might like uh, until next week why don't you hop back and listen to some of our older episodes we got like 60 now dude or probably more than that in total yeah yeah why don't you, why don't you take a peek we're gonna fade us out today with uh a song from central heating Heat Waves 1978 album. Nice, dude. Um, yeah. So this, again, was sampled in uh, the song Verses from the Abstract, which we played earlier for you. This song is the star of a story. And uh, we'll shout at you next week. My name is Quentin. And my name is Travis. All right. Take care. Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. You just bought a home in the suburbs, but no one told you about all the birds, specifically this one, who seems to be calling out Roy. Roy. But who exactly is Roy? 
And why doesn't he ever respond? Maybe Roy is just bird speak for save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto. I guess until Roy answers, we'll never know. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 